Israel is now entering the most dangerous phase of its defensive war against Hamas. The Arab world is voicing increased hatred toward Israel, and anti-Semitism is exploding worldwide. As all of this takes place, it's important for us to remember this. God's faithfulness to Israel will never cease. That's our topic in this episode of Foreshadows Report. Welcome to Foreshadows Report with Steve Miller. In our last three podcasts, we've taken a close look at the war between Israel and Hamas. Though Season 5 has officially ended and Season 6 will begin on November 21st, I wanted to use this week to replay an important episode about God's faithfulness to Israel. This episode originally aired in May 2023. While the podcast focused primarily on God's promises that the land given to Abraham would belong to Israel forever, these promises clearly communicate God's faithfulness to the people of Israel as well. As the war continues to rage in the Middle East, it's vital that we remember God is still in control. Even now, he is working out his future plans for Israel. While Bible prophecy reveals that Israel has some very dark days ahead, we can take comfort in the truth that God's faithfulness to the Jewish nation will never cease. My hope is that you'll be encouraged as we look at God's past promises to Israel, which serve as affirmation that he is still working through the nation of Israel, even today. In Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, we see one of the greatest prophetic high points in the Bible. God's promise to create a nation through Abram and Sarah. This nation would be a big part of God's plan to rescue mankind. Abram was to become the beginning of a lineage through which a Savior would come to save people from their sins and bring them back to God. God told Abram, Go from your country to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God's call to Abram is remarkable. He takes the initiative and he reaches out to Abram. At the time, Abram is 75 and his wife, Sarah, is 65. Up to this point, they've had no children and they are getting older. They're asked to move more than 700 miles away from home and they are given no details about how this great nation would happen. After God promised that he would make Abram a great nation, through which the Savior would be born and bless the peoples of the earth. He appeared to Abram again, this time to unveil the next part of his master plan. He said in Genesis 12:7, To your offspring I will give this land. Notice how simple this promise is. I will give. The land was a gift. 
No conditions were placed on Abram or his descendants. This was an unconditional promise. From this point onward, God repeated and followed up on this promise many times in the Bible. This land would belong to Israel, period. God's promise itself serves as a title deed to the land. God owns the entire earth, and he was giving Israel the ownership of this land. At first, God's promise might not seem all that special. Why this land, of all places? God was looking ahead to when his people would populate the land, and he would give them the responsibility of making him known to others. He also wanted his son to be born here and to minister here. This was the most strategic and central location in the ancient world for the Savior to be born. It formed a land bridge that served as the intersection between Europe, Asia, and Africa. All the world's traffic had to journey through Israel to go from one continent to another. This meant every traveler would potentially hear about this wonderful God of Israel. And when the church was born, the gospel would be easily spread outward from here. The land that would become Israel is where God chose to make himself known to people everywhere. This was the ideal place for a spiritual lighthouse that would be able to shine its light outward to the surrounding nations in the ancient world. God's gift of this land to Abram's offspring was strategic, intentional, and motivated by his love for the lost. The land promise that God stated in Genesis 12:7 was repeated many times all through the Old Testament. And it's fascinating to note the details that God added to this promise as time went on. For example, in Genesis 13:15, God said, "All the land that you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever." In Genesis 17:8, he called this land an everlasting possession. God's promise was then given to the next generation. In Genesis 26.3, God told Isaac, To you and your offspring I will give all these lands. In Genesis 28.13, speaking to the next generation, which was Jacob, God said, The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. Then in Deuteronomy 6.10, God said this once again to Moses. He said that he would bring the people of Israel into the land that he swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. See the continuity? God repeated the promise again and again, and he said that this was a forever promise. Hundreds of years later, after Israel had repeatedly rejected God, and God said he would banish them from the land, God had the prophet Jeremiah tell the people that he had given this land to their fathers forever. We find this promise in Jeremiah 7.7. Today there are some who say that because the Jewish people rejected their Messiah, God's promise was voided and the land is no longer there. Therefore he sent them out of the land. And some even believe that the promises God made to Israel now belong to the church. But that does not line up with what the Bible teaches. Notice what God said to the people of Israel in Leviticus 26. After he warned them about the consequences of disobedience 
in verses 14 through 39, including expulsion from the land. He said, when they are in the land of their enemies, I will not spurn them. Even when the people of Israel are in exile, and even when they are expelled from the land, God will not spurn them. Then in verse 45, the very next verse, God adds, I will, for their sake, remember the covenant with their forefathers. God will never forget his promise of the land to the people. Scripture repeatedly says this is a forever promise. God was saying, even when I punish my people and send them out of the land, I will not abandon them. I will remember my covenant to their fathers. The land belongs to them forever. This dovetails with God's vow that there is coming a day when he will regather and restore his people. Prophecy scholar Thomas Ice has observed that every Old Testament prophet, except Jonah, speaks of a permanent return to the land of Israel by the Jews. Nowhere in the New Testament are these Old Testament promises ever changed or negated. Ice points out that when the Old Testament prophets condemned the Israelites for disobeying God, they followed with promises of Israel's future restoration. Amos chapter 9, verses 14 through 15 is a great example. There we read, I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel, and they shall rebuild the ruined cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink their wine, and they shall make gardens and eat their fruit. I will plant them on their land, and they shall never again be uprooted out of the land that I have given them. In Zephaniah 3.20, God told Israel, At that time I will bring you in, at the time when I gather you together, for I will make you renowned and pray among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortune before your eyes. God's promises in Genesis 12 verses 1 through 3 and in Genesis 12 7 still stand. If the Jewish people's sins could have broken God's unconditional promises to Abraham, then our sin today would be able to break God's unconditional gift of salvation to us. Yet if we could not earn God's gift of grace in the first place, then how can we possibly unearn it? God's unconditional promises stay unconditional. That makes them prophetic certainty. He will never break these promises. They are forever secure. The one greatest question of all time about the nation of Israel appears in Romans 11 verse 1. Has God rejected his people? The Apostle Paul asked this after God's people have denied him again and again, leading up to the ultimate refusal, sentencing Christ to death on a cross. Surely, with such a long and persistent history of spurning God, the Lord would have cast off Israel. But no, in Romans 11, verse 2, the very next verse, Paul writes, God has not rejected his people. And Romans chapter 11 ends with this wonderful declaration. All Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sin. 
There is coming a day when the people of Israel will receive the Messiah as their Savior and return to God. Pay close attention to this promise from God in Zechariah 10.6. Here God tells us, I will strengthen the house of Judah, and I will save the house of Joseph. I will bring them back, because I have compassion on them, and they shall be as though I had not rejected them. Just as God delivered his people from slavery in Egypt, and just as he preserved them from the Red Sea and the Jordan River, and just as he delivered them from the powerful Canaanite, and later on from captivity and exile, he will also deliver them from their sin. As Zechariah 10.12 says, A day is coming when God will make them strong in the Lord. God's promises to Israel, including the promise of the land, are forever promises. There are two reasons it is vital for us to acknowledge this. First, there are many prophecies about the end times that would not be able to be fulfilled unless a nation of Israel was in place. In AD 70, Israel was destroyed by Rome and the Jewish people were scattered. But miracle of miracles, Israel was reborn in 1948. And now there is a literal nation of Israel that can serve as a stage on which the end times will play out. Only God could have done that. Second, Christ will rule from Jerusalem in the future millennial kingdom. In Isaiah 60, verse 3, God tells Israel that during those days, the nations will come to your light. In that same millennial context, verse 21 adds that Israel will possess the land forever. When God says a promise is forever, he means it. As the Apostle Paul says in Romans 11:29, truly the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. In chapter 6 of the book of Hebrews, we read this. When God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself. When God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. This bears repeating. God swore by himself, the highest authority in all the universe. Why? To show more convincingly the unchangeable character of his purpose. He guaranteed his words with an oath. His word can always be trusted, but he did this to show that he meant it. God did this for the benefit of the heirs of the promise. Who are Abraham's heirs? Genesis repeatedly described them as his seed or offspring, always in a literal sense. The heirs of the promise are Abraham's physical descendants, the nation of Israel, and not the church. If God's land promises were not everlasting, and they no longer applied to Israel, it would mean hundreds of his prophecies were wrong. But God's plans and purposes have always endured, and they will continue onward. He never changes, and his prophecies will always stand. Thank you for joining me 
for this episode of Foreshadows Report. As we remind ourselves of God's past promises to Israel, we can have total assurance that no matter what happens in the current war, God will remain faithful to His people. This faithfulness extends to protecting the nation against its enemies. As God said in Isaiah 54:17, No weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed, and you shall refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. In Deuteronomy 33:29, we read, Blessed are you, Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord. He is your shield and helper and your glorious sword. Your enemies will cower before you, and you will tread on their heights. And in Isaiah 46.4, God said, I have made you, and I will carry you. I will sustain you, and I will rescue you. As the war continues, may we not forget that God's faithfulness to Israel began thousands of years ago with Abraham, and it will continue through today and into the future. Thank you again for listening. And if you want to stay in touch with my daily updates on the war, you'll want to go to my website at stevemillerresources.com. There, you'll find a link to my daily post on Telegram Messenger Channel. Or you can go to Telegram Messenger Channel and subscribe to Foreshadows Report. And finally, I want to say thank you to Harvest House Publishers, which has made this podcast possible.